Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Week 8 is in the books. We're basically at the halfway point of the NFL season. And uh, we just finished watching the Chiefs pee the uh, Sunday night game down their leg. So we're going to talk about that in a second. But today is an important day. It is the sports equinox. There was a World Series game that no one watched. um, Except for Trump, who I guess apparently got booed. And people got flashed. So I guess a lot was going on at that game. They have to check it out later. It's probably not the first time that the president has been somewhere where somebody has done that, but flashed a pitcher. Well, somebody, (laughs) uh, we've got, um, basketball obviously happening. I need to check on, uh, on my Lakers football, of course, and Hockey. hockey. And really the, one of the more important things I thought was the golf was happening. Mm-hmm. You were very much sweating out the Tiger Woods uh, outcome. Yeah, he tied Sam Snead for the the most wins ever in PGA Tour history, wow. which I think very is impressive. pretty impressive. Now, the funny thing, the reason I brought this up is because it was Sports Equinox, kind of a big deal. Was your day that much different than any normal Sunday? No. I mean, the truth be told, like I like, I like NBA, but like not right now. And... I don't really like hockey that much anymore. And baseball is a disaster, right? So I will say this. I have turned on a WNBA game during a NFL Sunday, but that was that one week where there was only like two games on at four o'clock and it was like literally the finals. So um, that's uh, that's like me. But, you know, you, I know you like we're actually watching a few games during uh, other sports during the day today. So. Uh, maybe you're more uh, eclectic as a sports fan. I'm more me. well-rounded sports yeah. fan. I mean, I I'm a huge uh, golf fan, and the reason I'm a golf fan is because I'm because of Tiger Woods when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so inspirational in many ways. Yes, that, that man. I mean, he's ridiculously good. So I was watching that, and I'm a basketball fan. I didn't watch that. I watched the World Series just in the background mm-hmm. because I wanted to know how much. Sunday night was going to crush that World Series rating. Right. Because F them. Um, and I think I would assume that Sunday night did because that game was actually good. So let's talk about this, this game briefly. And when we discussed how, so that Kansas City Chiefs plus four was our lock of the week. And we took it for a couple of reasons. The first was, well, Pat Mahomes still has a chance to play. 
This was on Thursday when we were discussing yeah. it. So let's say he has a 10% chance to play. That's great. 10% of the time, you get an amazing amount of value. But if Matt Moore plays, he's got Andy Reid, he's got Tyreek Hill, he's got Travis Kelsey, and Sammy Watkins coming back. And that gives them a legitimate shot to win the game it Does at home with Matt Moore at quarterback. They did what seems to me every single thing we could have hoped from a scheme and offensive perspective to get that done. Mm-hmm. And yet it just didn't happen. Biggest reason was what? Well, we saw both of the uh, sides of Andy Reed tonight. We saw the side of Andy Reed that is not always first in our coaching rankings on the play by play level uh, scheming players open. We saw, you know, Matt Moore, uh, I have to look at his numbers, but it was, you know, they ran play action, you know, a almost a, half the time, almost half the time, which was, you know, a, an amazing, you know, uh, thing for them to do. Yeah, Frankly, on, they on slowed, first and second down. It was basically 50% of their pass plays. They, they play slowed action. down the pass rush. Um, you know, they gave more clean pockets, despite the fact that, you know, three fifths of their offensive line at times was down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they made Honestly, they they the plays that they were scheming up, especially in that second quarter, were terrific. So that was the positive thing. The negative thing was that we got everything that was bad about Andy Reid as well. Um, you know, down to you know their drive at the end of the second quarter, they sort of they could have gone up a touchdown. They sort of fooled around too much with trying to manipulate the clock. They ended up having to kick a field goal. They still gave Aaron Rodgers a chance for what was a hail mary. There uh, earlier in the half, they punted the ball on fourth and inches from their end of the field on a play where like Sammy Watkins should have had the first down type of thing. And then, of course, at the very end uh, of the football game, um, they they obviously punted on fourth and three and never got the ball back. And so those are like characteristic Andy Reid things where he's terrific at the scheming. He's very he can be at times not so much when it comes to the actual game theory of the. And, and we saw that uh, today, unfortunately, if you're back in the Chiefs. The the Chiefs game plan was really pretty darn solid, aside from playing Shady McCoy and well, allowing, that's the other thing I don't allowing get. him to gallivant the ball out, and if he's basically a Harlem Globetrotter, like spitting the ball on his finger as he travels through the the hole that the scheme creates. But the Andy Reid decisions are so crazy to me because he has to have been told, "Hey, man, these are bad." At some point, I mean, someone's ha- like he has to read something somewhere that says this, right? I-, I can't imagine that he doesn't. So is he just not humble enough to ask someone to tell him? Does he not have what's going on? Because that fourth and three play, you've got a 55% chance to convert that play for, for a first down. And if you punt the ball away, I mean, what do you think's going to happen? You've given up 31 points with like a quarter taken out, right? They basically shut Rodgers down in the second quarter. Yep. But they had clearly figured out their whole put two big guys in the middle of the field, blitz a lot, and then play man coverage because the man coverage, yeah. you know, they, they got the ball, the running back out of the backfield against the linebackers, and that was just not going to, you know, be stopped, right? Uh, they had it completely figured out. So the idea that you were going to punt the ball away and get it back with a chance to actually do something and score was hilarious. And then of course he takes a timeout on a second and short. Why you would do that. They're going to obviously pick it up. Um, And and you've just kind of, you just waste a timeout completely. But that fourth and three was a very bad decision. The decision itself carried about a 6% um, 
uh, decrease in your chance of winning the game, which I say this every time, 6% doesn't sound like a lot, but that's huge for the NFL. Um, should they convert? They've still got a 22% chance to win the game. Um, should they turn it over? 8% chance to win the game. The crazy thing is if they turn it over, they still have all their timeouts. The game is not over right. in that you situation. You force them to basically kick a field goal or you give up a drive, but the drive happens more quickly. They don't get to salt the game away on you. Exactly. And, it, and it's unfortunate because we've seen like we've seen the two issues that can arise in this sort of resulting-based uh, analysis, right? They punt on fourth and inches in early in the game. They kick the ball all the way down to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, right. They go three and out. They punt to Nicole Hardman. He runs it back to the 30. They miss a, like So then they miss a field goal with Butker, and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that was the problem. But the real problem was, is no, you didn't trust your offense to take the ball in the first place. Uh, and then when they don't go for fourth and three, they get a brilliant punt, and it goes all the way down to the two-yard line, and they set their, their defense up for some you know success. But the fact of the matter is, and I think this is the, the key thing that Andy Reid has failed to do his entire time in Kansas City, and, and at times it was warranted, but it is no longer warranted, is he does not understand the disparity between his offense and his defense. Um, he, he puts the game in his defense hands way too much. And, and if I, it do, he's built such a terrific offense that to turn his back on it in favor of a defense that was without three starters, not good to begin with. And against a hall of fame, first ballot quarterback playing his best right now. Yeah. It just, it's baffling, but ultimately that's what, that's what ended up killing that pick, frankly. Well, it, and they didn't take advantage of a couple of opportunities that Rodgers threw their way, right? Breland yeah. dropped that one. Um, I mean, he would have got up and ran with it. It was there was nobody, and honestly, he got, he got torched on the play. Torched on the play. He was so far away from the receiver that he could have probably intercepted the ball and run around with it for a while. The thing is that the I don't understand how the oh we're gonna we're gonna go for it here is saying we don't trust the defense. It's just. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. You are still trusting your defense because if you get stopped and you want to still win the game, the defense has to do their job. That That is period. End of story. Yeah. But you have a better chance of dictating what happens in the game with the ball than you do without it. Yep. That's just a fact of the game of football. That's how the game is played. And when your strength of your team is your offense, when you are a Hall of Fame coach because of your play calling and you need to gain three yards, and instead you go, you know what? Let me see if this random linebacker can cover Aaron Jones, which he hasn't all game long because yeah. Aaron Jones is about to rewrite a record for uh, receiving yards in a game by a Packers running back set in 1942. Maybe you should take a hint and and give your offense a chance. We just spent a bunch of time recapping Sunday night without really talking about the Packers. So was this, did this change your opinion of the Packers at all? No, I, I don't know. I kind of does. I mean, they, his, you know, for the first few games, they were a team that got out to fast starts with their script and they did again today. Um, but the the adjustments like they had slowed down a bit in the second half of games or they were the other team gifted them things and granted they did I mean the Chiefs had the ball with a three-point lead to start the second half and they punted right and that's like basically a turnover in a game like this Shady McCoy fumbles on the other side the Packers don't get a touchdown on their first drive all that kind of stuff is all true Um, but they did find a weakness in the in the chiefs defense from what it sounds like in the post game interview, it was ad hoc. It was during the middle of the game. 
Um, and they exploited it. So from the perspective of the Rodgers Lafleur relationship, that's a good sign. On the other side, though, the defensively, we we were talking about this team as if they had a legit championship caliber defense uh, through the the you know season's first month, and I don't think that that's true anymore. I think that they um, just you know, anytime you give up that kind of yardage and efficiency to somebody like Matt Moore. Uh, you know, all the other stuff aside, I think you just you're just another defense in the NFL, in my opinion. Well, we saw this when they played the Raiders, right? That game was really fluky. Raiders receivers were running wide open all over the field and just happened to have Derek Carr punt the ball out of the back of the end zone. And, and that game was over. Yep. In my mind, th- this ge- this was never about the Packers defense being good enough or bad enough or whatever. They're no longer so bad. Th- they used to have a defense that's like the Falcons are currently, where it's just so bad that it didn't matter, right? They couldn't cover anyone. I think they can probably cover well enough. Jair Alexander is actually a good corner. Kevin King is terrible. And every time that he uh, he celebrates after giving up a first down but tackling a guy really makes me chuckle. I, I Tyreek Hill... Um, was just abusing that guy left and right. And uh, this is all about their offense. And the question mark for me was Matt LaFleur. And I actually thought as simple as it was, he identified the simple mismatch and took advantage of it. And so that means a lot to me. I didn't know that, you know, I, I mean, it's simple, right? But a lot of coaches mm-hmm. don't actually pick this up. They didn't have Devonte uh, Adams and the rest of their wide receivers were basically non-existent. Jimmy Graham didn't do much of anything. And they still put up 31 uh, on the road. So this was a positive step in my mind for the Packers. And we're about we're going to talk a little bit about Super Bowl matchups that we could actually see happening. And I think Green Bay making it to the Super Bowl um, now at least has to be in the discussion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a tough road in the NFC, right? Because, you know, because teams are actually good over there. Teams are good. And um, right now they would have to eclipse. I mean, I guess they have a did the, the Saints might have had their bye, Right. But they're yeah. I mean, they're basically battling with the Saints and the 49ers Saints for are the about two, to have their bye. two seed. OK, so they're tied with the Saints right now. Um and the Niners are undefeated, you know, their oh, schedule yeah. gets tougher, but you know, it, it's not you easy, know they are. but those three teams I think are in a battle. And then the Minnesota Vikings are nipping at the heels of green Bay. So there are a bunch of teams uh, that can be, uh, that can be had here. So the second big story of the day is that the undefeated teams kept rolling and my Niners were unfazed. We're unfazed by Christian McCaffrey, Finally, uh, finally scoring points off the field in a legit way. Um, Olivia Culpo was in attendance, actually. Wow. Yeah, she made it all the way from L.A. to uh, to watch the game, and it didn't matter. He was great, by the way. Christian McCaffrey was great. And it <laughs> he didn't was awesome. Matter. Did not matter. So the Niners' role absolutely obliterate Kyle Allen and the Panthers, and the Patriots' role, too. But I'm I'm curious, which win... Which win here mattered more? Oh, Niners by a country mile. A, there were there were questions about you know both games had weather apparently right. There was wind in Santa Clara. That's <laughs> why the total went from forty two and a half when we decided not to print it to forty one. Didn't seem to have. We a, talked about it on the pod though. We did. If and you we, listen to the Thursday pod, we did a special non written up pick, and we was, talked about both the first half and the game total over. Yeah. Cleared that, by a country mile. Well, I mean, the, the Niners did it themselves in both cases. So um, with the Patriots, their offense made enough plays, right? They didn't look great. Um, and Brady, 
I guess Brady was fine. He averaged almost 10 yards per pass attempt from a clean pocket in that rain. Uh, when pressured, though, he only averaged three and a half you know, yards per, per pressured snap, only uh, completed a third of his passes. Um, but, you know, the Niners just did it. You know, they played to their strengths. They rushed the passer. They played great coverage on the back end. And then offensively, they ran the football. Uh, Tevin Coleman looked like Ricky Waters today in the in that uh, old school uniform yes, uh, uh, for San Francisco. So uh, I, I would say the Niners, you know, the Niners and they played a better opponent. The Cleveland Browns are an absolute travesty of a football team right now in terms of getting lined up correctly, executing plays, uh, call, like the fact they called a timeout in punt formation. Yeah, no, or no, they didn't. They wasted a delay of game in punt formation down by two scores, brought the offense back on the field to try to oh, convert yeah. a fourth down. Uh, did, it, did it convert? No. No. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Later on in the game, they're down by 17 and it's fourth and relatively well, it's fourth and one. They get called for delay or delay or a ball start or something like that. Back up fourth and six, then kick a field goal. I don't know, man. And I don't I just what fixes the Browns? Uh, uh, a change, I think. Yeah, the the Browns. So the reason that the Niners, the Niners was more uh, far, far more meaningful. And that was because they really hadn't played anybody yet. And the Patriots still haven't played anybody yet because we knew the Browns were bad, right? We knew this to be the case. And it was raining, and the Browns turned the ball over on three straight snaps. And yet the the Patriots just, you know, kind of lollygagged their way to a two-score victory. They didn't have to do much. They showed up, and they won the game by two scores. But the Panthers... Plus five and a half, plus five, I think by the time it closed, were the most picked team in the Las Vegas Westgate Super Contest. Okay, so there were a lot of people and a lot of sharp, shrap, stump, dull money on on the Carolina Panthers mm-hmm. to cover that. So, you know, to think that was going to be a close game. And there was just no way in hell that was ever going to be a close game. Jimmy G actually played um, decently well. 140 plus pass rating from a clean pocket. The one terrible interception to Luke Keekley, but other than that was solid. George Kittle was a monster. And you can see that guys like Emmanuel Sanders are going to be utilized in that offense, right? It took one possession for them to yeah, utilize it. very long. So it, with the offense being able to actually do some things now, it frees the defense up to just go, you know, bonkers and pending they don't get any injuries. Like this feels sort of, this feels like a Bears ish from last season defense. But with a real offense. Yeah. And the thing that I am very happy about this season is unlike last season, I think that the PFF numbers, if you just look at like the raw grading and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff, I think that we're properly handicapping the Niners right now. And and I think it's because Jimmy Garoppolo has been better and the bar is not high, but Jimmy Garoppolo has been better than Mitch Trubisky was last yeah, season. No kidding. Um, and, and and that's nothing to joke about, right? Like, but you know, today he only threw 16 passes, but out of a clean pocket, he was 11 for 11, averaged nine yards per pass attempt, yep. two touchdowns. You know, he was, uh, struggled in the in the few pressured plays that he had, but he is not. He's not giving his team a lack of a chance to win the way that Trubisky did a season ago. And but I think that the defenses and the schedule are so good and bad, respectively, that it's a similar thing, right? And, and last season, a lot of people faded the bears all season, right? And they had an easy schedule and they had um, some pretty favorable spots and they still will cover them for defensive touchdown reasons. Remember Thanksgiving, right? They got it. They picked six Stafford right at the end to cover. And like, so, 
with the Niners, I'm really happy that, you know, you and I are not on the side of fading them like to a to the nth degree every single week like we did yeah, the, we Bears, did the Bears getting in front of that freight train. Uh, and I think weirdly Garoppolo gets a lot of crap. I think Evan Silva just tweeted this out, but the but the majority or sorry, the, the plurality of uh passes by uh, Jimmy Garoppolo are first downs and he's leading the NFL. I think it's like 42% of his passes are going for first downs this year. And that's like the one stat he stands out in, but it, it talks about the efficiency of that offense. If, if he doesn't put his team through passing in long yardage situations, he can be covered up. And, and, and even though he's not great, he, he I think he's good enough here for this Niners team to be dangerous uh, come January. I'm not going to lie. It reminds me a lot of Brady um, when he, when he was a younger quarterback Right, he he allowed the team to be successful because of the strengths that it had, and Jimmy G knows that obviously, having watched Brady, that winning is the most important thing. And I, I'm now sounding like a total homer and fan. I will point out that Kyle Allen, when he was kept clean, had a 44 passer rating, averaged five yards per attempt through two picks. The coverage on the back end for the Niners has played pretty darn well Mm -hmm. and when you combine not porous coverage with pass rushers that have athleticism like apparently nick bosa does sneaky athleticism contrary to what booger uh, mcfarland may tell you that can that can be a recipe for such success that jimmy g can go out and and leverage shanahan scheme and just roll over teams and that's what they did so the the niners and the patriots I, i don't know if the patriots will be tested a little bit um, next week, the Niners, it doesn't, it doesn't appear like they will, but we'll talk about those games in a second. You mentioned the bears and Trubisky. I, I don't even know where to begin with this game because well, wh- it, what, well, this was the, this, this was the situation and I know it's a little bit different because it was a slightly longer field goal, but there's so much that's hilarious about this. This was the one where Bill O'Brien somehow got to be on the right end of a, of a coaching error when he said, you know, great job, Vance, you dumb, you know, when Vance Joseph against uh, Houston um, line, you know, basically lined up his team with a minute left for like a 50 yard field goal and, and missed right. Um, The bears after Mitch Trubisky scrambled for about 11 yards, we're at the 21 yard line with about 43 seconds left. The chargers, because they're the chargers had used up all their timeouts, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to get it a little extra yards, instead of maybe even trying to score, because if you're the Chargers, right, like, and we, we, we gave this, you know, we wrote this up as well, that like for the Bears, if you run a, you run a play, there's three things that can happen. A, the Chargers are trying to let you score, in which case you do exactly what the Packers did on Monday night against Detroit yep. and run as far as you can and then basically take a knee where, take a knee. where you're comfortable, right? You teach your players to do that. They're playing the, you know, they stuff the run, right? In which case the percentages on those field goals going backward is not as high as going forward. Right. So the, the, again, it's an asymmetric. Also, what are you going to get stuff for three yards? Right. Exactly. Like, <laughs> right. Or they're playing not to give up a touchdown, right. Or not to give up a simple. And so they give you three, four more yards, right. In any event, you know, Jim, Na- or, uh, the, uh, Matt Nagy, the, Anyway, uh, he, you know, he, he decided, okay, well, no, we're done. Actually concedes a yard on a kneel down, have a timeout, call the timeout. And then the, this is the craziest part of the entire thing. They kicked the field goal 
that should have been a 39-yard field goal from 41 yards. Yep. They took their holder and had to go nine yards back, and that field goal missed by the smallest of margins. Those extra two yards even could have been a, a deal there. So uh, unfortunately for Nagy, he's been a good offensive play caller so far, um, but he he appears to come from the Andy Reid tree where uh, the the great play calling is sometimes in you know sometimes married to suspect end of game theory. Yeah, I mean, just picking up five yards on two plays would have increased their chance of making a field goal like nearly six six percent. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, just terrible. And and the quotes that came out, I'm not going to get these perfectly correct, but the quotes that came out were again we we talked about this last week, right? Which is like, is Nagy kind of throwing? Trubisky under the bus because he's like well, I don't want my coaching tenure tied to this this uh you know garbage at quarterback and he was basically like well you know if we throw it so many bad things can happen we you know if we run another offense play so many bad things can happen it's like what are you guys doing at practice all week like you can't get one two plays off without a without a turnover uh, are people not understanding the chance you know how unlikely a, a turnover when you're trying not to turn o- right, right. turn it over are is really shocking to me. And if you're the bears right now, this is, this is a a not so good look. I don't know who's more uh, underwhelming the bears or the Browns gotta be the bears, right? Because the bears actually did make it to the playoffs Mm -hmm. last year. um, And people were clamoring for super bowl this year as where they were for the Browns, but that was very unfounded. So, I mean, now they're, they're, they're in some real, well, and the problem is, is now they're in last place in their own division. Detroit held on. They didn't cover today, but they held on against the Giants uh, without Darius Slay. Um, and, you know, with some kind of weird plays sometimes by by Stafford, he threw a really bad pick early in the game. Uh, Vikings and Packers are the class of that division. So if you're looking to even repeat as division champions, you basically have to win out from here. And that's not going to happen. Do you, who do you think uh, lasts longer, Nagy or Kitchens? Nagy. I Kitch, mean, Kitchens has gone after this year. Right? I mean, Kitchens has Kitchens has what a little stretches as, as an interim coach that basically bought him the job he currently has, right? And I don't think that gets to carry over. I think he used yeah. all that capital up to get the job he currently has, and then what's happened here? The Browns do have a really easy schedule moving forward, but that doesn't mean much if well, you can't here, line yourself here, up. And play Here's football. Here's what it's going to be, though. They're going to do the same thing they did last year. They're going to creep back to average, you know, at the end of the season, yeah. give everyone some hope, and then he'll he'll stick around. Nagy's there's no reason to think that Nagy shouldn't be successful. He's been a good play caller. Every person from the Andy Reid tree that's running that offense has you know had success or is having success. So I don't know why you wouldn't understand that he could still be a good head coach. I think he's a little in his own head right now um, and he's probably a little frustrated. And to me, that's what happened today. And I, I actually don't blame Nagy for that. I think, yeah. um, I think his frustration is with the fact that he has no outlet to getting a good quarterback. Yeah. And, and that's something that you signed up for though. If you're him, you know that you, I mean, not really though, but the, Oh, I guess the Khalil Mack thing happened after, but the Trubisky trade didn't right. They, they traded a significant amount of assets for Trubisky. And so there was not going to be this pulling of the plug on Trubisky. Yeah. And early on, it looked like he was going to get a, a good offense out of him. I mean, what, for, for what it's worth, he was like top five in QBR last year in terms of so like yeah. efficiency. They were fine, yeah. but 
I, I think the, the NFL figured is, him out. I, it, when you take that job, you know, Trubisky had not been great with mm-hmm. with uh, Dowell Loggins and then yeah, um, and then Fox, John Fox, yeah. So you go well if he's bad, at least I have time to punt on him. And then all of a sudden that that was taken away because they said. Actually, yeah. we're going to we're going to trade all of our draft yeah. capital away. OK, a couple of teams that uh, that also are like in the mix slash potential playoff teams real quick. The Eagles and the Bills played. Um, are the Eagles back or is this just people are reacting to the Bills? Yeah, the Bills just aren't. I mean, we're going to get flack for this, but like the Bills just aren't that good. Josh Allen, you know. Somebody, somebody was peacocking about the fact that he was above sixty percent completion percentage. Well, he's sixty point one now, uh, so that's going to be relatively short lived. He's under seven yards per pass attempt. Um, he did get. He does now have more touchdowns and interceptions. Which oh, that's good for this season, not for his career. So um, they just don't get enough from their quarterback, uh, and as such, you know. We found out with the Bears last season. I mean, this could be Bears Northeast, or, you know, Trubisky Northeast. Um, but what we found last season during the playoffs and what we were finding out this year is that's an extremely limited way of trying to win football games. And you probably can do okay. Like they'll likely make the playoffs uh, in the AFC East doing this. Uh, it's not enough to beat a team like the Eagles, who did a pretty good job today. Yeah, you know, in terms of offensively, I thought that they moved the football really well and. You know, good for them because it, they needed it. Their their offensive line um, played better than they did. Oh. Um, Carson Wentz was was good uh, when kept clean. Had a couple of not so great plays under pressure, but their defense. The thing with their defense is that this matchup was perfect, perfect. for them, and that's what we said the other day. Yeah. yeah, and so they just were they ate up the the Buffalo Bills. I mean, Fletcher Cox was you know. The absolutely dominant um, Vinnie Curry was as well. Uh, and so it didn't, you know, their, their coverage, which can be exposed, didn't get a chance to be exposed. an absolute blast from the past, right? It back in the day when a, more quarterbacks were suspect, especially throwing the ball downfield, you could get away with basically yeah. daring the other team to throw the ball downfield. It's not that way anymore, but it was a throwback here. Is there anything just hop back here? Is there anything that anyone loves more then Doug Peterson loves handing the ball to Jordan Howard, though. Probably not. I mean, our, he had a great day today. Maybe 16, 68 yards after maybe contact, Andy seven Reed missed tackles. Handing it to LaShawn McCoy. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get me started on that. So, <laughs> Miles Sanders gets 74 yards on three carries, including a busting a 65 yarder. Yeah. Jordan Howard gets 23 carries as a result and gets 96, which is still a decent efficiency, but. Man, that I mean, and I, I granted, if there's the win, that's an issue, and you know, and their receivers, Alshon is still a cheeseburger away from being, you know, Jason Peters replacement. But the you know, Wentz was a solid 116 pass rating from a clean pocket, so maybe they should lean on him a little bit more. Maybe. Okay, we are going to guess the lines, but we're going to guess some lines of some games that may or may not happen. Okay, let's do that first. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about potential Super Bowl matchups. And the way that we're going to do this is we're going to go through each uh, conference real quick. Let's start with the NFC. And I'm going to bring up three, uh, actually five teams. And I want to narrow it down to two. Okay. That you could really see going to the Super Bowl right now. Okay. So we've got New Orleans, got San Francisco, Green Bay, Dallas, and Minnesota. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. I'm sure someone will think of someone that I'm forgetting. But those five teams, 
you have to pick two. Who are the two that are that are making it to the Super Bowl? That have a chance to make it to the Super Bowl? San Francisco and uh, New Orleans. Now, how like how big is the gap? Because I'm I'm with you there, and I think if I were looking at the other three teams, so that Green Bay, Dallas, and Minnesota, I I would go Green Bay, Minnesota, Dallas. Yeah, they and can't. I, go ahead. I I was gonna say Green Bay, New Orleans. That to me is close, but it does ultimately come down to the coach, I think. Yeah, I mean, for New Orleans, there's absolutely no threat from their division. None. So that to me, the health of their quarterback, the health of their defense is really the only question mark. Um, Alvin Kamara. But even Kamara, right? Like they've been fine. Uh, San Francisco, the the difficulty is that they have a, a Hall of Fame MVP caliber quarterback playing. Uh, beneath them in Seattle, who, unlike previous years, is taking care of business. I mean, they gave up 460 yards to Matt Schaub today, but they won. Uh, they didn't cover the closing number, but they they won. Um, Skyrocketed. So, uh, but so that's a that's a threat. But it gets mitigated for me because Green Bay and Minnesota are going to cannibalize themselves in that division. Okay. So. So New Orleans, San Francisco. Those are it's teams, New Orleans, San Francisco for me. Those are teams we can legitimately see making it to the Super Bowl. On the AFC side, this one feels totally different because we've got New England, we've got Kansas City, yeah. and then we're like, what the hell? Houston, Indy, Baltimore. To me, there is a giant chasm uh, between a healthy Kansas City, New England, and those three teams. Of those three teams that are on the, the, the cusp, though, which one in your mind, is closest to being like, I could see them in the Super Bowl? Well, I mean, I'd throw Indy out. Indy is the most impressive of those three teams, given what they've had to go through. But Houston and Baltimore are fighting it out for me, and I'm going to go with Houston because Deshaun Watson, it, with De- Mahomes with Mahomes being injured right now, Deshaun Watson's, Watson's crazy. the Best young quarterback in the NFL right now. Deshaun Watson is so good. That play that he made to basically I mean, win the unbelievable. game was out of this world. Yeah. I mean, it was incredible. And him icing the game for that under was also impressive. Just a great, he just a great overall performance for him. Winning, but by, by not by too much. I love Deshaun Watson. He's awesome. I mean, honestly, how can you watch him? Gets poked in the eye. He almost, I gets thought he kicked had, in the eye. I thought he had lost an eye. Well, I thought he had his knee had hit the ground. Yeah. And then he just throws this dime. He's making the like, honestly, I want to play tight end for Houston because I could pro- like yeah. these two dudes that play tight end for Houston. He was are un- collecting. He was under pressure on 21 of 46 dropbacks day, which is a high That's number. A lot. Now he invites a lot of pressure. It's not as high as Brissett this week, by the way, though. Wow. Uh, but he averaged 8.1 yards per attempt and was only sacked three times under pressure. Yeah, uh, he, he is incredible. I would actually go with Baltimore. And here's why I'm going to go with Baltimore. Their defense has played terribly. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it has a higher chance of coming together and being not awful in the playoffs yeah. because of the talent that they have. Okay. Right. So they now have Marcus Peters. They have Earl Thomas. They have Jimmy Marlon Smith Humphrey. is coming back. Jimmy Smith is coming back. Whereas Houston is trading for Gary on Conley and playing and, him right away. And JJ Watt Torres Peck. So as much as I loved Sean Watson, he's like he and DeAndre Hopkins are like the only yeah. positives. And then everything else is kind of a negative. Whereas with Baltimore, they have a unique offense 
that now I think is starting to feel itself yeah. a little bit. And they have a great coach and the pieces around them make more sense to me. So I, it's tough. All three of those teams are out though. So we've got four teams, New England, Kansas City, New Orleans. Can we, can we pause for a second? It's, it's more important in my opinion for Baltimore to get a first round buy than Houston because it is harder to scheme against that offense in a week than it would be two. So if they get out of the first round, that team that plays them second might have a better shot of it. But yeah, I agree with you. I think Kansas City, despite their flaws, and New England. So we have four matchups. Four matchups. Let's start with the two old quarterbacks. New England plays New Orleans. What do you think the spread of that game would be? Uh New England minus New England minus three and a half. That's kind of that's where I was going to go too. I I I'm tempted and to I'm hammering three. New Orleans plus three and a half. I'm tempted to go three. Uh, the tough thing for me is that I just don't. The team that scares me against New England is Kansas City, not New Orleans, because New England's coverage is so good that I just don't who on New Orleans is getting open. Well, Michael Thomas has shown a propensity for getting open, independent of the defense, independent of the quarterback, independent of players playing around him, right? Cook yeah. and Ginn and all those guys have been out. So, but I agree with you. I think like if there is a defense that can shut him down, it would be, you know, it would be the New England defense, which has done masterful work on almost every player in the league at one point. So that's why, but the, but New Orleans is defensively, I think, almost as talented as New England. So then it comes wow. down to the really? offenses. I mean, it, it comes I, down to the fact. I think it should be three. Well, here's okay. What I, was, I agree with you then because here's what I was. I can say. talk myself into New Orleans plus three and a half all day. Here's what I was going to say: the New England offense, much bigger question mark for me than the New Orleans. They always offense. seem to answer that question at the end of the year, though. Almost always, you Gronk know, what I'm coming saying? back is Gronk coming back? Because I'm, I'm. But Gronk concerned. wasn't the reason they won in the playoffs. Last last season, no, absolutely not. Yeah, it was. He was it, the reason they won the Super Bowl, though. The because the the one drive they put together was yeah, basically he, on his he back. torched people. Yeah. All right. The more interesting matchup, the matchup that I need to see in Miami is Tommy B versus Jimmy G. Oh my goodness! Oh, New England minus seven and a half. New England minus seven and a half. Uh, yes. I'm going to say New England minus five and a half. And here's why. The San Francisco defense is licking its lips thinking about this Patriots offensive. Marshall line. Newhouse. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would say and I would say here's, that except for New other, England gets two weeks off to prepare for that said defense. I Now, I agree. But here's the thing. San Francisco will have beaten New Orleans in all likelihood to get to this point. And to me, that that matters, right? Mm -hmm. Like a team that beats New Orleans, I don't mm -hmm. think should be more than a touchdown underdog to New England. Yep. Yeah, I mean, unless New Orleans puts up a clunker like they did against like Dallas on Thursday Night Football yeah. last year okay. or the AFC, NFC Championship game, quite frankly. But yeah, okay. I, I think the disparity of the quarterback position is so high here by that time of the season that no faith. Yeah. No Sorry. faith. I, I can't believe we're already talking about that. Like Jimmy, good G's for you, man. Good for you, man. Right. Good for me. You I've can been, sell that Airbnb. Uh, I've been working uh, hard on this one for uh, twice the value. This would be an interesting one. Kansas city, new Orleans. Uh, I, I get it to go first one. Of these okay. Times, Cause I, it's unfair. I get to hear your number and you don't know. So 
Kansas City, New Orleans. I think New Orleans would be favored by one and a half. Wow. I, I was going to say like four and a half. Really? Well, the Kansas, Kansas City, City will have beaten New England on the road. Yeah. Um, no, I don't disagree. I, all those things are valid for me. It's for me though. It's New Orleans is just a more complete team. They have just as good of a head coach and offensive play caller and a well, a better decision and maker. a better, far better decision. That's yeah. what I was going to say. Far better That's decision legit. maker. A probably a more healthy quarterback at that point in time because Breeze is not yeah. going to have the issues that Mahomes is going to have with his legs. They're way better defensively. I mean, New Orleans defense is one of the most underrated things in all of football. Sure. And then, you know what they also have? Grit, toughness, heart. Tape. They have the Tave train. Yeah. And, and the Tave train can do what uh, Aaron Jones and, and Jamal Williams did tonight, which is run the, you know, basically get open and run the game away from these linebackers if you ever want to, you know, yeah. talk about them for Kansas City. All I will say is as great as you think New Orleans uh, defense is, the Kansas City offense will put up points in that game mm-hmm. and put up a lot. Kansas City, San Francisco. I think Kansas Joe City, Montana Bowl. I think Kansas City would be favored by three and a half in this game. That's about what I thought. Um, I think that this will be like the, the the league's best offense against the league's best defense in my or Atlanta, Miami, 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 <laughs> and. and uh, it's late. And so and then it's I early. think you'd obviously give you'd obviously give the edge to offense because that's how the NFL is played and the better quarterback and the better quarterback. Um, it, he, I don't mind three and a half. I would say, yeah, that's probably fair. And then I would I would take the points of San Francisco. I would, too. And here's why. Jimmy G isn't that bad. He's good enough. We just talked about this. To yeah. Whoop the crap out of Kansas City. Well, they, Shanahan would if Matt LaFleur is scheming up dude, I mean, offensive Col- schemes in a week against Kansas City. Tevin Coleman's going to score two times on the way to the end zone That'd against those. Here, here's the thing that um, that this game would remind me of the Colts versus the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football. Oh, interesting. Like, I think the, de- like the defense giving Mahomes fits. And, and the reason that Indy did was because Mahomes hurt. Yeah. But the Niners would because they're good. And then... San Francisco playing keep away and just dominating, you know, the, the 400 of the rushing Chiefs. yards. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So, all right, we've made it a whopping 41 minutes without talking about the following week. So now it is time. Okay. We're going to go through the, the games that are interesting first, and then we're going to speed through the bad ones. We've got a little confession session at the end as we are doing every Sunday, uh, prayers and thoughts. We're going to start with, uh, the uh, the primetime games here. So the best game of the week is on Sunday night. Finally, New England, Baltimore. It's in Baltimore. Uh, I said that. Where is it here? I said Baltimore would be a six point underdog at home. Yeah, I said four and a half and I was closer, but we are both kind of far away. Uh, it During Sunday night football is four and now it is three and a half. Wait, what? Uh, what are you looking at here? I was looking at bet online. Baltimore, New England. Yeah. I literally saw six. Well, it could have gotten. Are I we? Mean, oh, this is making for great podcasts right now. This is fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's three and a half right now. I bet online. 
<laughs> Are you making an investment? I mean, what? New England minus 180 on the money line. Did some like sort of like information come out? It was also like I looked earlier today. It was six. Yeah. So, so what? It, so New England was not impressive today against the Cleveland Browns. Is probably what the betting market thinks. Plus by three points. But you also think it's a bunch of people going on tilt because Cleveland was clearly a shrap side this week, right? Yeah. And took a lot of money. And you know, New England put up their end of the bargain and not covering two touchdowns. Cleveland didn't, right? I think this is more of a reaction. Well, I don't you think, right? Because so, so like, let's talk about this, right? So Kansas City, whatever Kansas City is next week against Minnesota is going to be far less. They're going to be dogs, I think, right? They're going to be far less dogs now because they saw how Kansas City played tonight and said, well, we're going to chalk that up to Aaron Rodgers being brilliant, right? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't cover and lost because of the other team, right? Yeah. Same thing with New England, right? People are like, oh, we're on, we're on, uh, we're on Cleveland this week. Well, Cleveland didn't cover because, you know, New England didn't, New England didn't cover because of them. They didn't cover because of the other team, right? So if you insert another team into the situation, then I think that the logic still holds. So I guess the, the run game for Baltimore will be a new thing for New England to shut down for sure. Yeah. Right. Coming off of a buy at home. I know I'm just asking for acknowledgement that the run game will be a new thing. Okay. So they're going to run the ball a lot. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, like, well, that's what you've got for me. You're telling me that, that Lamar Jackson is not going to have to throw the ball in this game. I think John Harbaugh is one of those coaches where people will give them a serious upgrade in things like off of a buy things like, um, you know, uh, preparedness and stuff like that right like finding wrinkles that will well, will hurt another team but i think this is way too short i i'm hoping green line feels the same way if i've already made an investment well because i i just think the issue is is we've already seen it come down does it continue like if so this is not like detroit this is not like last week when we talked about denver and and the los angeles chargers where they went down to unplayable numbers by like tuesday is this a playable number now, or is this going to get down all the way to two and a half, three? If I, there's no way it crosses three in my mind. Well, I can't. I, right. So, so does. is three and a half the best you're going to get here if you want to back New England on on the road? Maybe. Well, so so then I, if you if why you're would in you the, wait though? If you could get a three, yes, then you invest again. This right. isn't rocket right. science. Right, but it, but it, I'm, I'm going to take it if, now, and I'm going to take it if it okay. gets the three. Okay, I guess my thing is is okay if if a lot of people feel the way you do and I do, then this might get all the way out to like five and a half, and then you're and then you like that's the risk you take. Um, what do you but mean? well, so right now you see it at you see it at four, and then it went to three and a half. Like one could one could assume that maybe this gets down to a juice three. Do you wait for it to get to a juice three and take the risk that it goes back up to four or five? No, I didn't. I okay. literally just didn't do <laughs> okay. that. I'm just, that's what I'm trying to go <laughs> Sorry, through. Sorry, when you said you, I thought you were talking about me. I'm talking about, no, the, list- I'm talking I'm about the listener that's trying well, to gain value they're from smart this podcast. Like me. Yeah. They're smart like me, and they went straight to, uh, I, that's just too short. I, I think It's you- also juice towards New England. It's minus 107 right now on Bet Online. You could legitimately see in my mind, and I, I hope that Baltimore makes a game of this to be perfectly honest with you. But Baltimore's defense has not shown 
to be one that is scaring anyone. Okay. And I think you could legitimately see the Patriots have their best offensive performance. They have Snoo now for a week. Okay. They, they played a Cleveland team that they didn't really have to play. They just went out there and, and, you know, breathed on it. And the stories all week are going to be about how, well, can Bill Belichick stop this unique Ravens offense? The answer is yes, he's going to be able to do that. Yeah. So, no, I, I very much see it the way um, I I think that they can make Lamar Jackson look like a fish out of water here. I wonder how much they prepared for the Browns because the Browns came off of a bye. But like God knows that Belichick just looks across the field at his former team <laughs> and it's just like, come on, man, this team. So anyway, OK, let's move on. Say, uh, Thursday night football. Oh, Lord. Yes. San Francisco 49ers are in Arizona to face Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. This is actually going to be a kind of interesting game to watch, uh, even if it's not close. What do you think this one is? I said 10 and a half when, uh, when I guessed earlier today. What did you say? Oh, my goodness. I said six. And at, during Sunday Night Football, it was eight. So right the difference between us. But I think it's since been taken down. At least I don't see it on bet online. Really? But it was eight on the very same website during uh, Sunday Night Football. I so. still see eight. Okay, so eight. Which side are you? So it's at Arizona. I mean, I, when I wrote down six, I was like, I mean, this was bef- so this was before Carolina. Before they, they trained. I expected that game to be within a touchdown. Yep. Spread was within a touchdown. I expected it to be within a touchdown. And I think if... San Francisco wins by a touchdown in that game, then this is probably just under a touchdown because I mean, I don't know. There's no way. What did you think of Arizona's performance today? What was it below or above expectation? You know, a little below. See, the thing is for me is I think Murray has. So of the two quarterbacks that have been picked number one in the last few years, Baker has been a disaster the last like month. Murray has luckily not been a disaster, but has not, he has gotten a little worse efficiency wise every week. And so, and even to the point where today was a little bit of an uptick, but still not great. And Arizona in this game, much like Kyle Allen had to this, this game and failed San Francisco is going to score points, especially indoors. And I just don't. And, and well, here's San Francisco is also on a course to try to prove to everybody that they've played somebody before. And there are, I, so that's why I had a hum- number they're, a little bit higher. They're scorched earth. Right. I mean, it's Saleh is like taking 17 greenies before the game and just like. Yeah. I mean, the real issue is that Arizona can't pass block and this could be over yeah. real quickly, though. It feels like you watched the Carolina game in your mind and then made that pick because that a 10 is a lot, right? Right. But but San Francisco is. Like, hey, I don't have a huge opinion of Arizona. Like, yeah, uh, those linebackers fair. are horrible. They're bad. Yeah. It's just, I, Kyler Murray at home. I don't know. I, I can't convince myself on that one. Okay. <laughs> um, who else do we got we now? Do, we do get Buck and Aikman, though. So that's good. Uh, do you think people will start crying? Uh, yeah, I mean, when screaming the guy, in when the, the guy streets? screws up statistics again. Yeah, give Petroy a break, man. 
dude, he's he's like sweating during those games, man. He's trying. He is trying. He's legitimately trying. People should shut up. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Dallas at New York is Boog and Tess. Uh, Daniel Jones, the Giants, uh, hosting the Cowboys. I said that this would be uh, Giants getting five and a half at home. Yeah, and I said Giants getting seven and a half. And it is currently seven. Juice towards seven and a half. Wow. Um, I'm getting raked here. Raked over the coals. I don't know. I mean, Dallas isn't that good, man. That's my point. And I, don't I think, think that the only be- thing that's keeping that that's inflating this number is, is that, that the Giants. Off a buy? What's that coming off a buy? Come off a buy, road, getting that. So again, the NFL. How many how many of these Monday Night Football teams need to be coming off a of buy? It's like another wasted every one every single week. Um, I think that the issue is Daniel Jones. I think Jones played a little bit better today than he had previous weeks, but it's still not very good. I agree with you, but this is a division game. Pat Shermer is not giving up by any stretch of the imagination. And he's coaching okay. And I will tell you this. As much love as those linebackers get for Dallas, I'm going to take Saquon Barkley in that battle like every single time. The Dallas defense has not been that great. Um, over a touchdown is a lot, I think. And da- you know, the Cowboys have played. The Cowboys played three good teams, and or not three good teams. They played three games where they looked absolutely awful. They play one game against an Eagles team who gives up the ball twice early on and just says, "Hey, screw it," right? And win, and now all of a sudden they're seven point favorites on the road. That's a little bit much to me. Yeah, I think it's mostly the yeah, I think it's mostly the buy. The other thing, and I and this is important, is I think the Giants don't get as much out of their running back passes as as the impressiveness would suggest. Oh, yes, if you listen, so, to this, <laughs> if you listen to this podcast, you know. So, I mean, I hope like we you. we have the we have Dallas's under, so it'd be nice if the Giants put up a fight. But uh, anyway, we we also took the Giants week one plus seven at Dallas, and we're not on the on the winning end. So. That was Eli. So that was a generation that's right, ago. That's right. We have what's the Danny Dimes thing was like this warm up or something was it was really weird. Oh, I don't know. Okay. Uh you gotta warm up the shoulders though. You do. All right. This is uh this is a game that actually one of the better games of the week, if Pat Mahomes can come back. Minnesota goes to Kansas City. Feels like Kansas City's had a ton of home games and they're just losing them all. They lost uh, three in a row. Yes. I have I am assuming uh, actually, I don't remember what I the, assumed. Well, it's it's kind of inconsequential because the the number's not up. So let's just assume more starting. How's that? Okay. If more, that's is, the assumption I made. Okay. If more is starting, then I think uh, it is Minnesota by two and a half. Okay, and I and I basically gave it the same spread as this week. I said Kansas City plus four. I was a little like. Well, the number closed tonight five. Yeah. So I think Kansas City. So, yeah. I I think that the way Moore played 
and the way the Kansas City offense played had to be far above what people who were betting to get Green Bay to plus five were thinking. Yep. Uh, I mean, look, if Mahomes plays coming off an injury, I got to think this is Kansas City by four and a half, five. Yeah. You know, right. And, and, and the Kirk like, Cousins playing crappy team or playing good teams on the road. Yeah. Granted, that offense or defense is terrible. Right. And the, here's the here's the other thing. Um, Minnesota has the 10 days off prior to the travel to uh, right. Kansas City. But this would be God. This has to be like the first four game losing streak at home for Kansas City since they went like four and two and 14 in 2012. This would be a terrible losing streak for them. So it'd be rough. And Minnesota has been, you know, their offense. They've kind of figured out they need to throw the ball a little more. Yeah. They're leveraging play action. So. That that would be something Adam Thielen would be the one ready. consideration that would actually I think impact the spread by like half a point if if he were to not go, um, it would put a little Don't less you think stress. Mahomes plays. I really do. Well, he said if he was a if it was a playoff game, he would have played tonight, which is a little irritating. But um, well, and they they're you, if they'd won tonight, there's no chance he plays. He's taking that extra game off, but they lost. The defense for the Vikings, I think, is a little bit better than the defense for Agreed. Uh, uh, Green Bay. There's also the preparation now that there's tape on what Matt Moore can do in that offense. So I think I think there are some things that we saw tonight that make us like Kansas City more with more. But there are some things that we'll pull back on, which is the the familiarity aspect to it. So maybe he plays. If he plays, I think it's more like Kansas City minus two and a half, begging people to really? bet on Mahomes w- off of the injury. Uh if that is the case, yeah, be going back. Uh, the Chicago Bears go to Philadelphia to play the newly resurrected Philadelphia Eagles. Yep. What'd you have here? Uh, I thought that our Philly, or sorry, our, our Chicago under tour would continue. I took Philly minus three and a half. What uh, was my guess? I had Philly minus three. Um, I assumed a close Chicago Bears win, yeah, and a Eagles potential win. Maybe yeah. Eagles, one of only loss. two teams that were an underdog today that won outright, and they were only like basically a pick them by the end of the game. So uh, they actually is four and a half. So we were both wow. a little bit short on, and it's it's growing towards Philly. So it's minus four and a half, minus one fifteen. Interesting. I do you think this is just all negative? This is just all negativity about the last, you know, second decision. But and here's the thing, though. The Bears at plus four and a half are a good bet. Well, I, well clearly we yeah. think so because we had the yeah Eagles by well, three. Because here's my thing. Like, and granted, okay, so right now it's Bears minus four and a half, minus 105. You could get this out to five, five and a half because there's no key numbers out till, until you get to six. That being said, like, I think if people start adding this stuff up, the Bears plus four and a half is going to be a good bet this week. I I don't disagree with you. They at all. can stress teams deep. Allen Robinson is terrific. Uh, Trey Burton got down the field a little bit today. Their running backs, uh, David Montgomery, played awesome Stop. in terms of breaking tackles and stuff. Stop it. Their defense is not bad. No, they played well today. They forced turnovers. They were good. They they lost to a Chargers team that was twelve and four last year by one, and they should have won. I think this is a classic, and you're not going to get me to back Trubisky very much, but this is a classic like overreaction. It's game. an overreaction. I, I totally agree with you. And as bad as Trubisky is, um, two wagers here. <laughs> as bad as Trubisky is, 
the he made like some the game a couple weeks ago he made like no good throws yeah he made a couple of throws in this game from a clean pocket that were not too terrible yeah and the Philly thing to me is more about that matchup with Josh Allen than it necessarily was about them resurrecting so if you're getting more you know like well more than a field goal you're getting more than four points I'm with you I think I see it at plus five somewhere as well so I like um, it I do like it. Not my favorite so far, but I like it. Yeah. Moving right along, the Houston Texans go into Jacksonville to face Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars. This has become a big game with, you know, Jacksonville now, I believe, what, four and two? Yep. They've, uh, they played well. Gardner Minshew was very Houston good. Today. Is also, Houston is of the, I believe, five and two variety. Um, in any mm-hmm. event, they are um, both, you know, battling in a division that, you know, when when Andrew Luck retired and then Houston made all those silly trades, I said congratulations to the Tennessee Titans for winning the division at seven and nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, that has not materialized. Tennessee will finish seven and nine, but they'll be in last place of that division probably. Um, and Jacksonville, granted, they got to play the Jets today, but Gardner Minshew, like over a hundred passer rating when pressured, he made some you know lights out plays. Uh, the receivers for his team, Chark Conley. Uh, D.D. Westbrook, right? Like making plays for him. Yeah. Um, I said Jacksonville would be a two and a half point favorite. Uh, I said Jacksonville would be a one point underdog. And you were more right than me because Houston is two and a half point favorites right now. I think that makes sense. I The fact that Houston has Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins um, I think they should be favored in this game. They are the better team than Jacksonville uh, by, a, I think, a pretty decent margin. The Jets just suck. That's my... Yeah, and they still almost covered the number. I mean, they... That's what I'm going to go with. The Jets just suck. Okay. I mean, anything... This needs to get out to three for me to want to back Jacksonville, even though I was on sort of their side, at least initially... Yeah, I'm with um, you. We we backed Jacksonville. Our first lock of the week that won this year was Jacksonville plus nine at, in Houston. Yep. And that game was a, basically a field goal fest. And then eventually we got through. Um, we'll see if that if that materializes that way. Jacksonville has certainly earned a little bit of the betting markets respect over the last few weeks. So cool that, that, that this ends up being an important game in the AFC South. Green Bay is going to bring all of Green Bay Dude. to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. This I don't want to see be... you in, in LA during this because you would you would be stupefied by the the cheese and the cholesterol consumption of the Wisconsinites that make their way to your uh Mecca. I wouldn't uh because I I once spent 2 weeks in Wisconsin and saw But it, you spent two weeks in Madison, Madison which is true. which is like saying I spent um, two weeks in Texas when you were in Austin. Like they're mm. the, just not characteristic That's of the fair. state. Okay, so I would be terrified. Uh, I had Green Bay favored by four and a half. Wow i I said that this game would be a pick'em. Whoa, and. It, the number is in between us, but it's closer to you. Uh, right before Sunday football, Green Bay was three-point favorites. It'll be four and a half when you wake up tomorrow, at least. Just the way that Rodgers played. Absolutely. The way that Rodgers played, 
the way that Aaron Jones lit things up, the way that the Chargers won fraudulently, the way that Rivers looked, the fact that Green Bay is a public team, the fact that maybe there are some people that don't realize this game is being played in a soccer stadium in Los Angeles. Like all of those things will. I expected more out of LA today and I expected less out of Green Bay. Yeah, that and and that's the point. As I think, and I give, I didn't give LA any home field advantage, but I didn't also give any home field advantage to Green Bay, which might be my error. They should probably get some home field advantage, given that the fans will be on their side. If everyone voted tomorrow, Aaron Rodgers would be the MVP of the NFL. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think it's egregious anymore. I don't think it's egregious. I I think it's wrong. I think Russell Wilson has been the most valuable player in the NFL. Yeah. They've asked more out of Rodgers the last few weeks than, than the Seahawks have asked of Wilson. And He just and, beat Bap, Matt Moore by seven. Let's not right, like, right. lose our minds here. That's true. All right. Those are the games that we thought were worthwhile. Now we get to the good stuff. Okay. So let's talk. Um, let's do let's do Tampa Bay, Seattle, because there's a couple games in this group that are actually like not too terrible. Yeah. This one is one of them. Uh, Tampa Bay goes to Seattle. Tampa Bay is a turnover uh, festival. Dude, stop. Um, yeah, your boy, Jameis Winston. Dude, it's, it's not great. What did you think this was? I said Seattle minus six and a half. I said Seattle minus six. And it is six and a half currently. I have no problem with that. I thought Tampa Bay would win. Um, <sighs> stop. Just I thought Tampa Bay would win this game. And they didn't uh, against Tennessee and Ryan Tannenbaum. And this so is, this is how it. much I, so I, we obviously have Tampa Bay over Tennessee under, I had so much faith in Jameis today that I bet Tennessee on the money line for about half of that amount. Wow. Because I just didn't have any faith in Jameis and ultimately he came through. Although they, they, um, they got screwed over on a fumble touchdown on that fake punt, like sure. their fake field goal. They should have had a touchdown, but this is fair. Uh, first time the refs have screwed up all year. Yep. Uh, should this we- game could potentially be fun, right? Like, I actually think it could be kind of fun because if Tampa Bay doesn't poop themselves, then, you know, you've got like a couple. This will be a high ADOC game. It's 53 and a half as a total. Yeah. I'm curious to see what the weather is going to be like there. Well, and unlike unlike some of these games Seattle's played recently, right? They've gone under the last two weeks. Tampa Bay is not an under opponent. Nope. Right. Um, So this one, I kind of like the total the way where it is. Um, because Tampa Bay will score and they will give up scores, both on offense. Factual. Detroit goes to Oakland. Um, Oakland has been actually Pluck, impressive to me the past two weeks. We talked about that Green Bay game ad nauseum. They really should have won uh, the game on the road in Houston. They finally get a home game. Yep. So that bodes well for them. Detroit, eh. These are two teams that could make a claim to have better records than they have. And also two teams that should wonder what the heck the schedulers were doing to them. So this is Oakland's first home game. um, I believe since week two. It's been forever. So uh, they get a chance to come home there. I had them at two and a half point favorites going into the day. Oakland. Yeah. Oakland favored. Yep. I had Oakland as a one point underdog. And it is now it's it at, during Sunday night football is minus one and a half. It is now minus two. Oakland is favored. Yes. Okay. So this is an investment opportunity for you. Maybe I, I was impressed by, by Oakland today. I thought they would 
maybe lose a little more convincingly. And I also thought, I don't know, D- Detroit, I, I think Detroit is legitimately good. I think that Detroit could cause Derek Carr some issues. Yeah, the only thing that that's about Detroit and our our pal and, and colleague Austin Gale pointed this out every turn today is that they just don't get pressure on the quarterback. That's yeah, true. And and so Derek Carr can be effective when he doesn't face pressure. Um, so that would be my only concern. The Oakland secondary, though, against the likes of Kenny Galladay, Danny Amendola, and they're going to get roasted, and uh, Marvin Jones, like and T.J. Hawkinson. They just have too many weapons, and I think as long as um, Stafford doesn't make a ton of mistakes, I think they cover this. Yeah, I kind of like, kind of like that. Um, all right, next up, let's go to Cle- let's go to Denver on purpose. Um, just not looking at the the list here, are you? Oh, I mean, I have my own list, my own numbers, so you don't see them, right? But in the oh, podcast sorry. doc, we literally have <laughs> I know them out there. Okay, fine. So we're talking about Simple. Indianapolis at Pittsburgh. Yes. Okay, let's go Indianapolis. I'm trying at, to be a team player. I here. know, but I'm trying. Okay, I'm trying not to give you away my numbers. Right. That's why you have them in a separate doc. Okay, I said Pittsburgh <laughs> would be a one point favorite. We do not know the outcome of tonight's oh, game. Tonight's glorious game. Yeah. But I said Pittsburgh would be a one point favorite. Okay, I said this would be a pick, and it is a pick. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, because what happened today? Indianapolis underperformed. We had sort of discussed that this would be kind of a letdown game. Mm-hmm. Indy did not cover. They did end up winning uh, because of a you know sort of a stone cold kick by their kicker at the end. Um. So, uh, I think Pittsburgh. The interesting thing, pick, Pittsburgh wins tonight. They're you know pick them at home against Indianapolis. They're just a couple games away from being five hundred just kind of interesting in a crap AFC. They could maybe catch Buffalo. Uh, I don't see it happening, but that could be an interesting one to look at. I think if Pittsburgh wins semi convincingly that they would be, you know, I think they would be favored in this game. And uh, there I, there, I think I would like Indianapolis. Yeah. I like Frank Reich against Mike Tomlin. That's something I would like to invest in. Okay. The worst game of the week by a country mile is uh is the Jets and the Dolphins. And I said that the Miami Dolphins would be getting three and a half points at home against the New York Jets. I said the same thing. And it is currently four and a half. Wow. We're gonna bet on the Dolphins for the, the rest of the team season. this year, aren't we? Uh, I mean, this is another situation the better quarterbacks at home getting points. Right? Yeah. I, it's, Sam Donald looks lost, man. I mean, the seeing ghost things, it's like he shouldn't have ever admitted it, but it's totally true, unfortunately. Sure. I, also kind of overblown. Yes. People well, but everything in football is overblown. It's true. That's a good point. This is America. All right. Marching right along. Tennessee at Carolina. Do you think Cam Newton is back for this game? Well, that is not what I assumed. Okay. Um Neither did I, by the way. I said Carolina would be two and a half point favorites. Yeah. So this tells you how I felt about Carolina going this week. I thought Carolina would be a five point favorite. And it is currently three and a half. Yeah. Uh, Is there a case to be made? No. Okay. I will not be. The one part of this game. case for Ryan Tannehill. The one part of this game that I do like is 40 and a half. I like, I think the over might have some value. 
and Tennessee overs have been kind of a crapshoot at times. Um, but that one looks somewhat appealing to me. No, I'm with you. And the Kyle Allen, you know, if he continues to play and he looks, you know, he looked absolutely terrible against San Francisco, but at home against Tennessee is totally different. Yeah, well, ball I mean, game. we're going to need them to play well for you on Tennessee's under today. a totally different ball game. Uh, Tennessee juice towards Tennessee, by the way, plus three and a half is minus minus one twenty. Who starts for quarterback at tennis in Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill. Wow, so you think basically Kyle Allen. You think he stays there next year? No, that's what I just asked. Oh no. Is he, is he Who the, is the, yeah, I next know he's season, starting. right? Next season. Uh, Hmm. I honestly think, oh man, uh, Brable is more of like a, a patriot, right? So you kind of want somebody who's for you. more of an underneath guy. Got one for you. Teddy Bridgewater? No. I think he drafts one. This is his guy. Oh, not you know? Herbert. No, I just think he drafts one. Oh, I see. Like he drafts a quarterback for him. Finally, but how do you, how do you get a quarterback? Like they're going to be picking like 15th Dwayne Haskins. Where were the chiefs picking when they got Mahomes? right? Okay. Yeah, I guess. And, and I, and I guess if it's his last hurrah, he's going to get the opportunity. Yeah. He's got to get the opportunity. I think they do that. Uh, I think if Brissett were available, that's another good one. It's that's, a, sort of a Patriot and sort yes. of Hoyer maybe. Ooh. Washington goes to Buffalo in uh, what I can only hope is Dwayne Haskins versus Josh Allen. But it'll probably be Case Keenum based on how Dwayne Haskins looked like he hadn't been in a quarterback. He, he has not earned yet. the he's not earned the H in his last name yet. Woo. You'd love to see it. Uh, would you have this one at seven and a half? I had Buffalo favored by ten, and it is ten. And Thank it you. started at ten and a half. It's been bet down to ten. Washington's bad. Uh, Buffalo is not good, though. If Case Keenum is starting, I kind of hedge my bets here because I don't really know. I'm assuming Case Keenum probably does start. Case Keenum was dealing on Thursday Night Football. I like 10. Uh, if I had to pick this, I would I would take Washington. Um, they have extra rest. Case Keenum looked fine. And Bill Callahan is just, he tries to cover spreads by running. That's just what he does. So the over under for this game is currently set at 37. Yeah. Yeah. See why Uh, Cleveland goes to Denver in uh, what I can only assume was going to be an amazing game at four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Next week's four o'clock. There is a 9 a.m. game. Which one is the 9 a.m. game? Houston Jacksonville. I think that's right. London then. Yeah. Well, the home field advantage remains the same. Um yeah, the four o'clock games look uh, a little bit uh, light. Anyway, so I said Denver would be favored by two and a half. I have Denver favored by three. And it is currently one and a half. Cleveland wow. getting the steam right now. Wow. So people think they were semi-impressive against New England. People, it's weird. I think like, so What? where do you fall on this? This is about our last discussion topic tonight. Where do you fall on this? Is coaching easily correctable? Because that's really what people are buying into. And that's what we bought into for the Falcons for a year and a half. A long time. Was talented quarterback, efficient offense, uh, talent on defense at times for the Falcons. You know, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But like you look at the Browns, you're like talented quarterback, really good skill position players, talented defense. If the coach could just figure out how not to be this way when the game when the game's on the line, they'd be good. Yep. And and I think especially after watching football this week, I'm going to sell that idea. I think it's correctable if it's a simple decision, you know, like, hey, you are doing this too much. You're, you know, running too much on second and long. Uh, To me, I don't see how that can't be correctable. But given the nature of the job and how you've got to kind of you got to kind of win the lottery and be super driven to get to where you are. I just, I don't think coaches are willing to change things. And we know how crazy the rigmarole of a week in the NFL season is just working on like kind of the fringe of the NFL. Right. So if you're an NFL coach, I can't imagine that you've got the time in a week in the regular season to be like, Oh, let me sit down and think through how I'm going to change this and then actually implement it in the NFL season. Like that to me just seems too, too well, the, hard to do. The hard part is the fact that the only guys that we've continuously lauded are guys who appear to have a process in place. Right. The Harbaugh's of the world, the, the Belichick's of the world, the Reich's of the world. Sean Payton. Sean Payton's of the world. Everybody else, it's this continuous like bouncing back between like WTF decisions right. and oh, that was – so Kingsbury – Like Lux into Kingsbury decision. kicks all these field goals in the red zone. But then today he goes for it from his own 29, doesn't make it. Now, is Kingsbury only doing that as a react? Like, is he under, sort of like when we used to teach math, is this, is this person doing this trick because they understand right. the mathematics and that's nope. why they're doing it? Or are they doing it because we marked their last assignment incorrectly and they know that the thing that they got incorrect was this, but it's if not you change the problem on them at all, they're screwed. No, I'll give you this. It's not even that. It's I... <laughs> It's the, in my bag of things that I remember, I'm throwing this one out there and every once in a while, I'm going to put it on the right problem and like, you know, and and that's how, that's how (laughs) nine out of every 10 coaches that calls plays in the NFL and college feels like they're just, there's no process. They're just aimlessly making decisions at times. And so, yeah, I think if you bet the Browns on a week to week basis, you could get lucky and they could make all those right decisions for a week and you could, you know, you could yeah. make hay out of it. Um, but a, on a consistent basis, I just don't think coaching is very easily correctable. I'm with you. Lincoln Riley to the Browns. Actually, I think the Browns might be so disparaged that even Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, Riley made Lincoln Riley kicked a field goal down 10 on a fourth and like two the other. Yes. Um, oh, Saturday. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying you can't be worse than Freddie kitchens. Yeah. I mean, cannot. I don't think, yeah, that's true. Cannot. All right. That's the, uh, that's the slate. Your favorite game right now? Oh man, uh, Minnesota Kansas City, of course. Which side? Uh, oh, you want me to actually pick a game? Pick a game? Yeah, yeah. Um, I like Bears plus four and a half. I think that's a good at one. Philadelphia. Uh, my favorite is is the Patriots minus three and a half. I mean, all day, all yeah. night. Um. What did you say the Minnesota? It's not up there. It's yet. not up because the uncertainty yeah. with respect to Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. So, I think that's I think that's my favorite. All right, confession session. Uh, I have a confession. I don't know if you have one. Okay. Here's my here's my confession. I've been searching. So on Fridays and Saturday nights, 
I, I like to, you know, relax, watch some TV, you know, when I'm at, just, just kick it. Um, and I feel like I'm always hungry. So I have this like very terrible habit of snacking, but I, the snacking never fills me up. So the snacking turns into just like a never ending, just continual eating right, right. of food. And I, I've been like trying different snacks. Like I bought carrots. I used to have this granola problem. I would just eat, I would eat whole bags of granola. And I was like, I probably shouldn't do this because granola is not great for you. And I was like, all right, I'll do like apple and peanut butter. And then I'm like just throwing, you know, cans of peanut butter away every couple of days. So then I bought like carrots and now I'm just munching on carrots and beef jerky at like 1130 at night. But you said once you found a good beef jerky, it's pretty solid. For it you. is. The problem is they're small packets of beef jerky, like, which is probably a good thing because the guilt of opening a new packet of beef jerky is the only thing that deterred me from continuing right, to go right, on. Right. So my confession is just that I, on Fridays and Saturday nights, house an incredible amount of snacks, and I'm probably uh, a solid 10 pounds over where I should be given that. Same. Um, okay. My confession is uh, that I I watch an embarrassing amount of college football for somebody who is at best lukewarm about it. <laughs> I So the other night, I don't know if you guys, uh, Memphis was playing on the road against Tulsa. Yeah. And our colleague, Ben Brown, who writes a great article for uh, um, Spread Picks for College, he writes one up. He's doing really well this year, I think 57% or something. And he had Memphis minus 10 and a half. I checked green line and we have like a pretty decent edge on it, but not, you know, we had had a good day that day. Memphis has a 14 point lead. It turns into an 11 point lead. It turns into a three point lead. It turns into a zero point lead. And then it turns into a one point uh, margin of, uh, and so I go back and look at green line and we showed something like a 5% edge on a minus 300 money line, which is, not great, Bob, no. you know, when they're about to lose. So I'm sitting there and my wife comes back. She had had something to do that night. I'm sitting there like sweating my like, like watching this game and the poor Tulsa kicker misses like a 20, 20 yard field goal and Memphis wins. And so the minus 300 actually cashes. And I, th- and I, I finally had this moment where I'm like, you need to not watch this much college football. <laughs> It's Memphis I'm, and Tulsa. It's like, I'm come on. I'm so like, glad you had this realization because I've had this realization for you for a while. I know. I know. Where You're a good I, friend. I don't understand. I, personally, I'm in awe because I care, obviously, deeply, as you know, about winning and losing. Yes. But if I grind through an entire Saturday of college football, I, I'm dead by Sunday. So, like... I, and I don't enjoy actually watching the right. college football because they're just literally like flipping coins left and right. right, right. So the I only thing that was a Sherlock this week was the Oklahoma game is going over. That was the only, that was, everything else is a coin flip. And that, and I watched a little bit of that to be yeah. honest with you. So like I try my best to not watch any college football. I watch, you know what I do on Saturdays? I watch the upcoming Sunday night game uh, sure. teams. So I watched a little Ravens. 
I turned the Michigan game on for about three minutes. I mean, if you can and then I call watched, it one. I watched Tiger Woods and stuffed my face full of beef jerky. Well, like my thing is I'll spend – I spent Saturday morning generally watching Netflix with my wife. Like this more the Saturday we watched The Office, right? But once the games come on, man. So I got to find a, re- a way – like I will go play like basketball with my daughters or something. That's but, smart. But uh, yeah, that's my confession. And uh, it ended It ended with the realization during uh, Tulsa – uh, Memphis. So are you gonna are you gonna actually watch less next weekend? Yeah. Okay. The I, the best part about college football is we're seventy five percent of the way through, really. That's, so that's you love to see absolutely it. fantastic. I'll do my best to eat less. Oh, stop. <laughs> but it's really it's a problem though. Yeah, I yeah. I'm never not hungry. Yeah. It's a real issue. All right. Uh that was uh that was our podcast. Thanks for hanging out, and we will be back on Thursday. Peace out.